0: going to take the definition of grace as undeserved favor that's going to be the main definition although perhaps there are other sort of facets to grace when it comes to the bible i want to take the undeserved favor people get in the bible people today christians today you and i we get things that we don't deserve and that that is the promise of grace that only comes from god salvation Our eternity with Jesus is a free gift. I cannot earn it. You cannot earn it. We cannot deserve it. We cannot do something about it. It It's a simple, unconditional gift. God always and has always treated people in a way that they don't deserve. It's throughout the Bible, from, from Genesis through to Revelation, there are many instances, hundreds, thousands of instances of people getting good when they really deserved bad. Bring it into modern-day context. I know um, tonight's game, um, England versus Italy, is a result of the semi-final this week in which England beat Denmark. You may have watched it; most people probably did. But the question is: Did England deserve it? Did England deserve to get through? There was a, an own goal. There was a dubious penalty. There was incidents kind of with the, with a laser pen on the goalkeeper's face. England fans booed the Danish national anthem. Did we deserve? to go through. Now you might argue perhaps they might play better than we did and maybe they deserved to go through but actually as an England fan of um you know 20 plus years and those that have been around for the last well potentially the last 55 years since England actually won a tournament we've been unlucky in many occasions we've sometimes deserved to win when we actually lost Okay, I admit, there's been times when we deserved to lose and we played that way. We really didn't play well. But over the grand scheme of things, over the last 55 years, it, you could argue it balanced out. And, and um, maybe you could say, even though on the night we didn't play as well as perhaps maybe Denmark did, it's up to your opinion. But we got through. And on the balance of things, perhaps we did deserve it. <laughs> but life is full of these kind of scenarios, these dilemmas. Um, about people. You know, you, you you watch the news about somebody who's committed a crime and you hear about the sentence um how long they've had in jail. And so often we kind of maybe in some circumstances feel disappointed. That person should have got way more than they got. Or flip it the other way around. Sometimes people get wrongly imprisoned and they get sentenced for things or for lengths of sentences that really they don't deserve. It isn't fair. Life isn't always fair. Take this pandemic, for example. Take how some people... Um, have been significantly impacted financially. Some people have lost income, lost jobs, had to go on to furlough, whereas others, for only a reason of a pandemic, perhaps is the only um, different factor for two previous years, is they've actually flourished financially. They've actually done better because of having to work from home, because of having to work remotely. Some companies and some um, fields have actually flourished because of it. How fair or unfair is that? Um, you know, just life is unfair. It's not always fair. We don't always get what we deserve. Sometimes the rich and powerful um, get what, what you know, that they don't necessarily get what they deserve. They get more than that. And also some people who work really, really hard have had a tough life and they don't get the, what they perhaps deserve and what they've perhaps earned for that. That's the way life seems to be. And as I said before, the Bible is full of stories like this. The Bible is full of people like this. And one, I could have picked any number between thousands of people, but I chose a guy called Matthew, and or in some parts of the Bible, he's known as Levi. He actually wrote the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of our New Testament. Um, and he, at one point, was a tax collector. He was a Jew, uh, an Israelite, a member of that, that chosen nation, but he was a tax collector. So under, and at the time of Jesus walking the earth, Israel was under Roman um, rule so Roman called the shots they governed them they punished them that it was it was an oppressive time for the people of god and there were these people these jews that kind of defected almost they were, they, they were basically Considered to be traitors because they were the people that would collect the tax money. They were often corrupt. They would often extort money from their neighbours, from their actual own people, from the people, you know, even maybe even their family and friends and their local community. So they were hated because they were people that were making money out of the Israelites' misfortune. And it was such a, you know, they were hated, they were despised, they were considered scum. This tax collector was employed by Rome and he was hated. And eventually, as I'll get on to, he wrote part of the Bible and he meets Jesus. We can pick up the story of Matthew, his story. He writes, he's the writer of of these words in the Gospel of Matthew. But he takes a few sentences to talk about his first encounter with Jesus. And it comes in Matthew 9 and it says in verse 9 through to 13, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor sick people do then he added now go and learn the meaning of this scripture I want you to show mercy not offer sacrifices for I have come to call those who think they are righteous so not those who think they are righteous but those who know they are sinners I want to ask you a question and you can put an answer in the chat, I'd encourage you to just give it a go. Just put a word or a couple of words or a sentence if you wish. Question is this: How do you think the other disciples would have reacted to Jesus calling a tax collector to join them? How do you think they would have responded to Matthew, a traitor, joining their ranks? In fact, almost a rub salt in the wounds wound. wound. Jesus called them in using the same words that he used to call them. Come, follow me and be my disciple. I think what we can learn from this story and this account, when I say story, I don't mean like a a fairy tale, I mean an actual story real life human being and there's so much evidence the writer is writing about himself there's archaeological and and documentation to prove that these are words that aren't just stories and fables and and even a parable this is reality so Matthew's writing about himself and he writes and most of his gospel reflects the, the level of grace that he received And then he approaches the number of people in his account that he references and he highlights and he champions that were people that didn't deserve Jesus's favor. But they got it because Jesus is full of grace and his promise of grace extends to them. Now, the promise of grace is for everyone. Jesus chose the outsiders, the rejects, the, the edges of society. Just look at the, the scum and the, the rough-edged people that he hung out with, the the prostitutes, the sinners, the immoral people, the the people that had made mistakes, the people that were overlooked, the sick, the lepers, the broken, the needy, and he even communicated and had time for, although often he would um come up against them. But even the religious people, the Pharisees, he would still spend his time with the rich, The poor, the religious, the non-religious, the educated, the uneducated. Jesus' grace and his promise of grace was and is for everyone. All are invited and everyone is included. So my first thing, my first observation of three, um, as often there are in messages like this, there are three observations I want to bring to you. The first one is this. The promise of grace is Unconditional. What's really interesting about this um, encounter is we don't know or read about Matthew even saying sorry. He didn't necessarily say sorry to his disciples, or, you know, the, the, his new friends. He didn't necessarily say sorry to Jesus. He probably did in some way, but there's no condition. So often we think, well, if they say sorry, then maybe I'll forgive them. But if they don't say sorry, I won't forgive them. There was an incident not so long ago, Abigail, our three-year-old girl, our daughter, we were having some, um, we were sit, sat down for dinner. She'd finish her main course, as often happens. She normally finishes before us because she gets, you know, disinterested or distracted. And we were maybe perhaps being, eating our food too slow. So she got angry, picked up her fork and threw it at me. And, it you know, it could have been, I was fine. It could have been dangerous. But the next thing she said, rather than sorry, was, I want a biscuit, which is the normal routine. She normally likes to have a biscuit after a meal, you know, as as a pudding. Now, we said, well, Abigail, you need to say sorry to Daddy because you've just thrown a fork at him. You can you can have your um, dessert after you've said sorry. But Abigail remained silent. She did not say a word. She, got, she just sulked as a result. And it, numerous times it prompted her. So eventually she couldn't get this biscuit. And she understood that there was a consequence to her actions. And there was certainly a consequence to her not saying sorry. And what was really interesting, the following day... Me and Steph, we'd forgotten about it. Abigail hadn't forgotten about it, so she finished her meal, as, you know, roughly before a, few, a couple of minutes before me and Steph finished, and she said something that really surprised me, and I didn't get it at first. She said, "Sorry, Daddy, sorry, Daddy," and she said it over and over and over, and I thought, "What? Why are you sorry, Abigail? What, what's happened? I don't understand. I really don't know what what you mean." And then it occurred to me. She she'd associated apologising with getting something. She associated um, saying sorry with getting what she wanted. She wanted a treat. She wanted a biscuit. So she understood from a previous conversation with mum and dad that she had to say sorry to get something from mum and dad. And that is so not the way that God works. He's not expecting. Well, he 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 wants change and he wants reform. And another day, another message would talk about that. But today, today I'm talking about grace. Whilst we were still sinners, whilst we were still sinning, whilst we were still doing the things that Jesus doesn't like us doing, he still died for us. Now, of course, part of being a Christian and being a follower of Jesus is change and and apologising and repenting. But actually, grace comes before all of that. Christ died for sinners. He, he, He came for those that needed a doctor, not those that thought that they were fully you cannot earn and you cannot deserve grace you simply have to receive the free gift so if the promise of grace is unconditional what do we need to do nothing is that it we we simply can live our lives as we wish and do all the wrong things that we did before we knew jesus well i think we just follow the example of what matthew did what did he do he invited jesus into his house and ate with him he, he invited God into his life and if you live and you have Jesus in your home or in your life you you're you're going to be changing you're going to be changing your ways and what Matthew did because we know he wrote one you know huge chunk of the bible he wrote one of the gospels he became a follower of Jesus he he left his old life behind he left his tax collecting behind in fact he would have left a whole lot of wealth and money and riches behind to follow Jesus his life would have changed but grace came first so what do you do simply invite Jesus into your house and into your life Jesus wants you to have relationship not religion he's come to call not the 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 healthy but the sick you don't need to be have it all together and he wants relationship not perfection and religion and leave your old life behind, leave your old sin behind. So firstly, the promise of grace is unconditional. Secondly, the promise of grace is unpopular. We saw here, people criticise Jesus for his act of mercy and his act of grace. Even today, people criticise Christians for their act of grace, or other people who show acts of mercy and grace. In fact, even Christians do some of the criticising. There are some people in society that we as Christians struggle to show kindness and grace and mercy to. Historically, um, there's been various people groups through the years and the decades and the centuries that the church have not accepted, have not shown grace, have not shown mercy. For example, women, there was a period of time where women were not equal and not accepted in church as men are. And throughout history, there's been challenges for the church, for various different types of people to show grace. It's unpopular. Grace is difficult. It's hard because I think partly us humans, we value justice and rightness. We understand right and wrong and we want what is right to happen. We're good at pointing out the wrong in others. Just take, um, take for example, um at the beginning of the Euro 2020 tournament, the England football team were booed by their own fans for taking the knee as a stance against racism, which is something that had been done by many clubs and many football teams recently. But England, because many of those England players had received racial abuse from the stands against various different nations, so they, as an act of togetherness, wanted to stand together or kneel together as a defiance against racism. And there were people who thought this stance was a political view and they pointed out what was wrong in 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 you know what many people saw as a great thing to do and an important thing to do they decided to see what was wrong and they pointed out the fault and declared that it was a political statement when actually they completely missed the grace in it and nobody listened to their opinion about it it being a political stance in fact people condemned them for what they did and their message was lost because of their own Grace. Christians find it and we can and the church can find it so easy to boo other groups and other people and to metaphorically, symbolically boo and condemn and point the finger at others and we miss an opportunity for grace. What we stand for can get lost when we stand against someone else. Take a politician, for example, who all they do is criticise and stand against somebody else's policies and we never hear what their policies are. Are. even again, going back to England fans booing, they booed the the Danish national anthem, um, their act of defiance and their act of booing does not prove that they love England in the same way um, when Christians come against other people and other things and they boo other um, people groups, it doesn't prove that we love Jesus and love God anymore. it just shows a lack of grace. So we as Christians, as, as a church, are challenged and called to be dispensers of grace. Look around. Do people deserve grace? Do I deserve grace? Probably not. We're all equal in that. Look at some of the heinous acts on the news and the horrendous crimes that are committed. But like Jesus, we're challenged and called to see through the sin and see the sinner. God is the one that brings about justice, not us. He is full of grace and full of truth he is a just God he will do that we don't have to so let's be known as people of grace the promise of grace is for everyone first point the promise of grace is unconditional the secondly the promise of grace was and still is unpopular but here's some good news to finish the promise of grace is universal grace is for everyone jesus ate with outcasts he ate with the dislike the sinner and you know what he talks about in that passage i've read in matthew 9 that he came for the sick not for those who don't need a doctor you know what if we we're, were to all admit it and be honest with ourselves even on a good day we are still Sick, And we all need a doctor. We are all sinners and have fallen short of the glory of God. Even if we've had 20 years of good behaviour, we are still a sinner and that doesn't change. We still have made mistakes. Um, You know what? I could have been that tax collector. You could have been at a different time in a different generation, under different circumstances, with different parents, with a different um, set of um, scenarios. You could have been that tax collector collector my life could have been very different had it taken a different path different parents different upbringing different country different time different generation i could be the person that now i dislike the most now or the person that i disagree with now a few changes in circumstances a few changes in in direction and i could be that person that we all dislike and all hate it it, it i could be I could be, Uh, um, By only by the grace of God am I here today as I am today. And I think we need to treat people in a way that we would want to be treated if we were that person, if we were the tax collector, if we were the the adulterer, if we were the, the person that had made the big mistake. Because grace is for everyone. The promise of grace is universal. There is hope for everyone. So to finish, I think... There's a couple of things that we can do. There are kind of a, f- a few different angles that we can take to finish today's message. Firstly, you might be somebody who feels like a tax collector. You feel like an outcast. You feel like you've made a mistake. You've 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 let people down. You're you've made you've done something you've said something. You've hurt people. You you feel isolated, you feel rejected, you feel hurt, you feel confused. You know what? There's nothing that you can do, say or think that would disqualify you from grace. If you've made mistakes, you're in good company. There are hundreds of people in the Bible that have made mistakes. There are so many people, Christians, there are people listening to this right now who've been part of Brief New Life Church for many, many years, even decades. They have made mistakes. They have fallen short. We have all fallen short. And there's, you know, we often grade the different levels of mistakes and sin, and we say these are worse than others. But ultimately, grace is universal. Whether you've commit committed an atrocious act or something that's considered a smaller act, we're all sinners. We've all made mistakes. All that we need to do, and all that you need to do, if you're in that in if you're in that boat thinking, I don't think I know Jesus. I'm certainly not a Christian. I need to know more. You can invite Jesus into your home, your heart, and follow him. You can do that right now on. um, you can respond, there are links to click, there are forms to fill out, you can visit our website, you can click a button live now, if you're watching later, there are links in the YouTube description, you can visit our website and, and respond and say yes to Jesus, I want to invite Jesus, not only into my house, into my life, into my heart, I want to become a disciple and a follower of Jesus, you can do that right now, don't shy away, don't wait, do it now, click a link, Inquire. make a decision, take a step and move forward. The second thing that we can do maybe you're somebody that's been a Christian for many ta- for many years maybe you're new to faith or you've been you know as i say a Christian for many many years and what's really interesting is Matthew's account so remember he wrote Matthew the one the tax collector that had made a huge mistake and, and his life was going in the wrong direction but he met with Jesus and he left everything and he and he followed him to the end and he witnessed Jesus die and resurrect he, he ends his gospel and um, with what many Christians will, will have heard of, which is the Great Commission, he then says, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and show grace to all nations. Go and dispense grace, grace to all nations, to all people, to whatever person, regardless of age, gender, sexuality, race, religion, um, political um, persuasion, whatever they might be, whatever they've done, whatever they've said, whatever they've thought, all people and make disciples we should be people of grace and we all need to be people who show grace and deliver and administer grace because everyone is welcome everyone is loved and the promise of grace is universal it's for everyone so let me pray and we'll sing a song about god's love for us father we thank you for your word we thank you for examples like Matthew who was nowhere near perfect who made mistakes we thank you for examples like King David and and others like him who had made errors and mistakes and committed sin just like we have done we have all fallen short of the glory of God and I just pray that we could all invite you into our home right now it's isn't it strange how as a breathe new life we're we're together but we're at home and I just pray that every person right now whether they've been a Christian for one year ten years 50 years or they're not a christian i pray jesus that they would invite you into their home and they would follow you and they will be people who then go and make disciples there will be people that then go and do likewise and show grace where you have shown them grace too in the name of jesus amen